0: The struggle between the two dominant powers in world championship wrestling has escalated into a raw and brutal rivalry. In an attempt to permanently eliminate Sting, the monstrous world champion has issued a dangerous challenge. Sting, this isn't business, this is personal. I'm gonna hurt you brother, I'm gonna hurt you bad. So now, after weeks of uncontrollable mayhem, Sting stands up to the evil big man Vader and embarks on a quest to conquer the White Castle of Fear.
1: Hi guys, Big Meaty Cool here. Thank you for your patience while I completed my nursing revalidation and got my head right. Counselling isn't for everyone, but it's working for me. I'm also massively thankful to our little community on Twitter for their support and continued friendship. The biggest thing I've learned is that just because I'm a bit of a mother hen type, it doesn't mean that I have to defend everything or everybody so vociferously and so blindly. Thank you to those that have called me out on my nonsense as well, as it has helped me to actually get some help. And without singling anybody out, thank you to Chris Mangle as well. Um, you have really taught me what Christian brotherly love actually looks like. Thank you for forgiving me, my friend. Um, I, I hope we can become fair friends. Anyway, it's time to get into annoying character now, as we have an excellent pay-per-view to speak about. So, insert happy hardcore
2: here.
1: Venu, you lovely 90s maniacs. It's time to open some Monster Munch and grab a Cafferys, as we go back to a simpler time, a happier time, an acceptable in the 90s time. Ted Turner's band of merry men have given us a fantastic build to their first pay-per-view offering of 1993, and it is finally here, as your favourite 90s-based wrestling podcast that isn't Nitro Nights, A Changing Attitude or the New Generation Project podcast presents WCW Super Brawl 3 from the Asheville Civic Centre in Asheville, North Carolina. Originally broadcast live on February the 21st, 1993. Davey Boy Smith makes his WCW debut Barry Windham gets a long overdue chance to capture a world title The legendary tag team return to the NWA territory And Sting finally gets a chance at revenge as he faces Big Van Vader In a White Castle of Fear Strap Match Oh can you feel it banging against the table lads and lasses But before we get to all that it's time to open the Sunday Mirror to discover all of the world's happenings on this day in history on February the 21st, 1993.
0: The panic.
1: Got to in other sports on February the 21st, 1993, The 43rd NBA All-Star Game took place from the Delta Center in Salt Lake City, Utah. In a tightly contested game that should be available on YouTube, West beats East by 135 points to 132. MVPs for the game were the Utah Jazzies' own John Stockton and Karl Malone. One of those two would go on to tag with Diamond Dallas Page in the late 90s, and i'd like to say look at a picture of them both and work it out for yourself but knowing wcw in the late 90s it's not always that obvious in sadder news harvey kurtzman american cartoonist and founding editor of mad magazine died at 68 years old in happier news cameroonian footballer steve leo bellek was born a 29 year old is currently plying his trade at swiss club Verdun having had spells at Panthraikos, Udinese, Fiorentina, and Stevenage Borough. At the box office in the US, Groundhog Day, starring Bill Murray, was at number one in the cinemas. In the UK, Bram Stoker's Dracula, starring Gary Oldman and Keanu Reeves, was still at the top of the cinema-going public's taste. In the U.S. pop charts, Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You is still dominant at number one. And No Limit by 2 Unlimited is still hanging on for dear life at number one in the U.K. WCW presents the first pay-per-view of the Eric Bischoff regime. The in-ring product is excellent. There's a hint of believability to what is presented, but there is just the right hint of corn to make things watchable as well. However, it wasn't all rosy at Turner Towers, as Jim Ross no longer had a close ally in Bill Watts, and he knew that Bischoff didn't care for his commentary. Eric decided to move him into an office job, so Ross decided to leave the company. He would sign with the WWF, but Ross still had his turner sponsored radio program. Good old JR would use it to help the WWF plug their upcoming Wrestlemania, and would even invite Vince and other superstars onto the show. Meanwhile, Watson Ross were the only departures from WCW, as Paul E. Dangerously, a.k.a. Paul Heyman, was also fired for supposedly falsifying road expenses to get more money. All would head to join close friend wrestling veteran Eddie Gilbert in Philadelphia to help book a company called Eastern Championship Wrestling. And don't worry, we will get to them soon enough. We just need to get 1993 out of the way because ECW in 1993 ain't good. While Super Brawl is the first pay per view under the Bischoff regime, Watts had already planned most of it. You can still see his influence on the show, despite the return of the protective mats outside the ring. Dusty Rhodes is still Booker, which means there's still a bit of over-the-top merriment involved, including one of WCW's infamous mini-movies to promote our main event, the infamous White Castle of Fear. It's all in the name of good, cheesy fun, though. In New Arrival news, Ric Flair wasted no time in returning to WCW. However, he had a no-compete clause, which prevented him from wrestling for a while. Rick would fill the time by hosting an interview segment called A Flair for the Gold, where he would also introduce a new character to his entourage, his personal maid, Fifi. She's played by a woman named Wendy Barlow, who is now Flair's most recent ex-wife. Fifi would debut after this pay-per-view, but Flair makes an appearance on this show. There is also the aforementioned debut of Davey Boy Smith on this very event. Going into the pay-per-view, your WCW champions are as follows. The NWA World Heavyweight Champion is to be defended tonight by the Great Muta. The NWA WCW Unified World Tag Team Champions are still held by Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Shane Douglas, who due to an injury means that the team have got the night off. The WCW World Heavyweight Champion is still Big Van Vader, but because his match with Sting is unsanctioned by WCW, his belt will not be defended tonight. The WCW United States Heavyweight Champion is The Natural Dustin Rhodes, who will be defending the belt tonight, and the WCW World Television Championship is still currently vacant but the tournament to crown a new champion continues on episodes of Worldwide and Main Event.
3: Hello everybody and welcome to Super Bowl Queen. Everybody getting ready for the White Castle of Beer! We'll be talking a lot more about that, but right off the bat we have to address the US Heavyweight title situation. Ron Simmons unable to meet Dustin Rhodes for that title because of a shoulder injury. Max Payne and his team of negotiators met with WCW. Max Payne steps in and gets the shot at Dustin Rhodes and a US heavyweight title so much going on Missy, what is on your agenda? Well, first off, I just want to say I'm so excited to be a part of Super Brawl 3. The fans, the excitement here is so awesome. speculation there's been a lot of rumors going on and i'm going to get the interview and i'm just not going to tell you yet eric well i can't wait but before we go any further we're going to be joined here by a special guest please welcome the batman johnny
0: It's contagious, this is the place to be at Super Brawl 3. We got the NWA heavyweight title, the great Muda will be taking on Barry Windham. Davey Boy Smith from England is here today. This is a good place to be a bad man. And let's kick it off, let's get down to Tony Schiavone and Jesse the body Ventura.
2: All right, Eric Bischoff, here we are. In and Jesse the Body Ventura, great to be at ringside with you here for Super Brawl 3.
0: Absolutely, Shivani, you know, I came to WCW at Super Brawl 2. I've been here a whole year now, and it's time for Super Brawl 3.
2: Everybody is talking about the White Castle of Fear. In this match to win, you must drag your opponent around the ring, touching all four corners in succession in or out of the ring sting and big van vader and what a contest it will be it's going to be a challenge
0: for sting and i'll tell you why shavani vader weighs over 400 pounds i'm not really sure even if he knocks him out if he can drag him to all four corners. Of course, Barry Windham in the great
2: mood for the NWA title, and now it's Max Payne against Dustin Rhodes for the US title as
0: well. Well, this has got to throw Dustin Rhodes off, and it's got to throw him off badly. You know, he was prepared for Ron Simmons, but he's going to get Max Payne, and he may feel pain. Max
2: Payne said he would have Norma Jean with him here at Super Brawl. What is that? Right now, let's go. It's an introduction from Gary Capetta. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we ask that you please stand for the playing of Max Payne's rendition of the National Anthem.
1: the standard introductory hype from eric bischoff missy hyatt and a third guest johnny b bad who looks something we are introduced to our commentary team for the evening the underrated pairing of tony Schiavone and jesse the body ventura we are legitimately at the one year anniversary of ventura's arrival in wcw and he's going to be celebrating by firing several thinly veiled shots towards Jim Ross for the duration of the event. Following some hype for our main event, we finally get to find out who Norma Jean was, as Gary Michael Capetta introduces us all to the crazy licks of Max Payne, who sure plays a mean guitar, meaning that Van Hammer should start getting nervous. After the usual pay-per-view pyro and bollocks, we finally get to our first match, which sees the Hollywood blondes of stunning Steve Austin and flying Brian Pillman taking on the team of Marcus Alexander Bagwell and... (sighs) Kill me now... Eric Watts. In spite of Eric not being a casualty of his daddy's firing, I'm assuming he has to stay to help the police with their inquiries. Not for the attack on Arne, you understand, but the heinous crime of impersonating a professional wrestler. We're going to be stuck with him for a little while more. If any eagle-eyed listeners are watching during the blonde's entrance, you may also be able to make out a young Matt Hardy flexing his bingo wings. The crowd turn on Watts almost instantly any time that he's in the ring. So they're alright in my book and early contenders for Star of the Evening. This match is completely crafted to put the Blondes over as credible contenders, but Bagwell also puts a decent shift in as well. Bagwell plays the fiery babyface perfectly, but he is hampered with having to do all of the work for his team. The finish comes when Marcus hits a lovely fisherman suplex on Pillman, but the ref is distracted. So Austin comes off the top rope to hit Bagwell with an elbow drop, so Pillman can make the cover for the win at 16 minutes and 34 seconds. This match doesn't really get a lot of love online, and it isn't hard to see why. The Blondes are an excellent team, but they need to be facing better opponents on a more consistent basis. I'm taking nothing away from Marcus Bagwell as he was underrated in his younger days but Eric Watts is a menace to his peers and he has to go the sooner these lads have an extended program for the belts the better
3: I'm so excited I'm going to get the first ever interview with the nature boy Rick play on here's his limousine and who is it, big? Hi, Mr. Limousine Driver. I'm Missy Hiatt. Hyatt. Oh, Nature Boy, Nature
0: Boy, I'm here. Who is she? I'm here. Who is she? I'm, here. Hi, Hi. I'm Missy Hyatt. Oh, I've
3: got credentials. I'm Missy Hyatt. i got credentials. Check. I'm going to get
0: interviewed. What? What?
3: This is mine. They'll, they'll, they'll charge Bay. me for it. Get it.
0: Sorry, it's <gasps> right, starting to Oh,
3: <gasps> usually I'm getting kissed when someone's doing this. Stop. Come on.
2: Chance, You see the signs, Nature Boy Ric Flair is in the middle. It's good to see him, he's looking great, tremendous amount of security around him. But I mean, it's at a
0: fever pitch here in Nashville in the Civic Center. Well, I'll tell you what, Shabani it's been long in the waiting for the Nature Boy Ric Flair and Jesse the Body Ventura to be in the same place at the same time.
1: Back from more bollocks, we get to a lot of VHS viewers' first match due to Turner Home Video's woeful editing of their WCW output. But thanks to the good old network, it's actually match two of the evening as the young Pegasus Chris Benoit makes his WCW pay-per-view debut against the always excellent Too Cold Scorpio. Jesse and Tony put Benoit over huge on commentary as he had been in Watts' plans during the previous regime. The match is very much a back-and-forth contest with lots of technical wizardry and the type of aerial acrobatics that we have come to expect from Scorp. A huge smorgasbord of near falls set up the finish, as Scorpio attempts a victory roll that gets countered by Benoit with a face plant, before Benoit hits a middle rope leg drop for two. Scorpio gets a roll-up for two, But Benoit tries a German suplex, leading Scorpio to roll him up out of that for the pin at 16 minutes and 37 seconds. Now obviously boys and girls, you know that I enjoyed this match and it's a recommended watch. But the pacing was a little bit off in the middle. But the work was solid and the excellent crowd response kept my interest. It's always difficult for me to watch a Chris Benoit match without some trepidation. But you can't take away from the fact that he was an excellent worker and both men complemented each other well to produce one of the better matches of the night
3: max Payne, obviously at the head of super Brawl three we talked about the fact that ron simmons unable to challenge the natural because of his shoulder injury you had a team of attorneys Managers negotiating with WCW. Finally, it has been signed. You will face Dustin Rhodes right here tonight at Super Brawl 3. And
0: this is a tremendous matchup that I know. What I want to know is are you going to give me an opportunity to talk? You have that opportunity. Thank you. Well, after a cordial introduction to all of you people to Norma Jean, now you know it's real. Just like the shoulder injury Deron Simmons is real. And what an unfortunate incident that is. And Dustin Rhodes, it's not an unfortunate incident to you, my friend. It means hell. Because Norma Norma Jean and I, we've talked about it a little bit. And I think we have an epitaph, so to speak, for a ring song for you, Dustin Rhodes. Would you like to mother? Would you like to hear it?
3: I think we got the point. Let's go back to Tony Schiavone and Jesse the Body Ventura.
1: Max Payne still needs to work on his character, but he is starting to grow on me. This year's Super Brawl is notable for the debut of a prominent British wrestling megastar who was already a star over in the States. And we get to witness his debut now as our third match of the night sees WWF escapee the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith face a good hand in Wild Bill Irwin. We get a rather standard Davy Boy match for his physique so lots of shoulder blocks, press slams, and clotheslines, but lots of gassing as well. Erwin brings the stereotypical heel shtick, but he knows his role for the night and doesn't try to overcomplicate things. Davy powers out of most of Erwin's offensive manoeuvres before he hits Erwin with a crossbody, followed by the running power slam, for the win at 5 minutes and 49 seconds. Now this is a controversial take to make as an Englishman, but I've never been the biggest fan of Davy Boy Smith at least not until his return to the WWF in the mid-90s. As a tag team competitor with the Dynamite Kid, he was always a capable partner. But once he started to pile on the muscle and started popping HGH like M&M's, he lost his appeal with me. Yes, I'm afraid I was that kid that cheered for Brett at SummerSlam 92. But whether I wanted it to or not, the British Bulldog was going to win. Whether he wanted to or not... Anyway, in the light of the impending steroid trial, WWF had fired Davy Boy due to his potentially incriminating physique. Since WCW were desperate for some much needed international star power, they were willing to look past that. But a change of scenery might do the lad good, and who knows, he might make a fan of me yet. And there's always the potential for some good power-based contests with the likes of Big Van Veda. After the match, we get an opportunity to see if Davey had taken the time to work on his promos in anticipation of his debut. Was it a good promo? Well just listen for yourself.
2: Hey, it was a tremendous win in his debut in WCW. The fans behind this man, let's walk the World Championship Wrestling, the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith. Tremendous win. I'll no. tell you what, Wild
0: Bill was a tough competitor. Well, Tony Giovanni! What a welcome it's been for the British Bulldog right here in Asheville, live on pay per view! I've come to the WCW for one reason that is to become the World Championship Heavyweight Champion of the World. So let's get down to it! Big Van Theatre, I'm looking forward to your match tonight with the Sting and the Strap. But Van Vader, if you want to keep that belt tonight, just remember one thing: the British Bulldog is here in the WCW, and the British Bulldog is hungry, and he's coming after you. All 400 pounds plus. I'm hungry, and I'm going to eat you up, Van Vader, with all the support of my fans.
2: Let's now go to Johnny B. Badge Standing by with Missy Hyde.
0: Wow, Davy Boy Smith in world championship wrestling, just in time for our United Kingdom tour. I tell you, we're gonna be mingling in England. But
3: why can't I go to the UK? Everyone else is going. I mean, no one told me to get my passport
0: and- Oh hush, Missy. Let's get ready for Cactus Jack and Paul Orndorff. How wonderful is Paul Orndorff gonna be against Cactus Jack? Let's take it to Eric Bischoff.
1: Of course it wasn't. Johnny and Missy take some time to hype WCW's upcoming tour of the United Kingdom before Eric Bischoff gets a few words from Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff.
3: Alright, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, for just a few moments you're going to be getting into a match with Cactus Jack. Pinfalls count absolutely anywhere. What is going through your mind? Well let me tell you
0: something right now Cactus Jack, I've beaten you everywhere we've been and I don't mind telling you. Ladies and gentlemen, it's one ball to a finish. Balls count
2: anywhere
0: in the building. Well, this match, I guess, is. I guess it's underway, Shimani.
1: Paul's comments lead us nicely into match number four, as Cactus Jack seeks a measure of revenge on the first member of Vader's motley crew of dastards. Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, in a Falls Count Anywhere battle. As you might expect, this match was basically a patented Cactus Jack stunt show. However, Orndorff was totally into what was happening, and brought the enthusiasm to compliment Jack's penchant for pain. As you'd expect, the match spills to the outside often. The main focus was on Jack's injured knee, which was targeted expertly by Orndorff, in that way, that only a skilled veteran can. The finish has Arndorf attempt the pile driver before Jack grabs a shovel and wallops him before covering Orndorff for the win at 12 minutes and 17 seconds. Now, this is another excellent contest from these two that is not done justice by my brief overview. Mrs. Furley's baby boy bumps like a total champ, and Arndorf facilitates the making of his opponent by showing some amazing intensity. Hopefully, this leads to big things for our boy Cactus in 1993. After some more padding from Eric, his girlfriend and Missy, we get our fifth match, which is a highly anticipated tag team contest as NWA legends the Rock and Roll Express of Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, if you didn't already know, finally get their hands on the Smoky Mountain Wrestling tag team champions, the Heavenly Bodies, who in this incarnation are the Doctor of Desire Tom Pritchard and Sweet Stan Lane. Sadly, Bill Watts had a little chat with SMW Commissioner Bullet Bob Armstrong on WCW main event, meaning that, for some reason, the bodies replace perennial podcast favourites The Wrecking Crew as the opponents for The Express tonight. No complaints here though. The bodies are accompanied by both Jim Cornette and beautiful Bobby Eaton who is told that he has to return to the back before the contest can begin. Now this is your classic tag team by numbers contest which is right up my alley. The bodies break to the outside for lots of cuddles with Jim and the Express know how to play the baby faces. The bodies give a master class in cutting off the ring when Morton finally gets in but a double DDT from Morton gives him some breathing space. Gibson manages to clean house for long enough that Morton can get his second wind for the infamous rock and roll double drop kicks to the bodies. In the ensuing chaos that can only happen with Cornette at ringside, Eaton makes his way out to attempt an Alabama jam to Morton, but manages to hit Dr. Tom instead, prompting a quick thinking Gibson to hit the cover for the win at 12 minutes and 52 seconds. I absolutely loved this match. Give me a solid tag team contest and I'm there for it. Both teams played their roles impeccably and it's always nice to see Jim Cornette on TV. Save your hate folks, the man is a legend who has forgotten more about wrestling than any of us could ever remember. I know he has some funny takes but we can't all be with it and down with the kids. I know I'm not. Classic tag team wrestling on display here. Tony and Jesse talk about the US title match, stating how a lack of preparation may actually hurt Dustin Rhodes. Going into Super Brawl, Ron Simmons was supposed to be challenging for the title, but an injury to Simmons meant that Max Payne would get the opportunity. Which brings us to our sixth match, as the WCW United States champion, the natural Dustin Rhodes, defends the strap against the amateur wrestling Danzig, Max Payne. Dustin tries hard here to make this a more technical contest applying plenty of armbars, lariats and arm drags while Payne goes for a selection of slams and cross bodies but the crowd pretty much dump on this. An abdominal stretch from Dustin is broken when Payne drags the referee into Rhodes leading to a DQ win for the champ at an interminable 11 minutes and 28 seconds. This match was awful. There's no other word to describe it. Payne was an inadequate opponent which just exposed Dustin. If you're planning on watching this event, this is the match where I'd recommend you make a cup of tea and a sandwich in anticipation of our next
2: contest. Introducing one of the most celebrated sports personalities in the world today, former
0: heavyweight champion of the world!
2: Here
0: behind you, in a big night we're having so far. We're live, we're up, the lights are bright, the city's on fire, and now we're wrestling for the title I never lost. Woo!
1: Gary Capetta, take it away! And what a contest it promises to be! After finally turning heel towards the end of 1992, Barry Windham sees his hard work pay off as match number 7 sees him finally get his shot at taking the NWA World Heavyweight Championship from the great Muta. Muta is wearing a formidable all-white gi in his entrance wear on his way out. Muta won the Battle Bowl in 1992 and then went on to win the NWA title from Chono at the WCW New Japan Super Show on the 4th of January 1993. These two feel each other out early, but Moota soon takes it to the mat, for a while. Every time Wyndham tried to fight back, Muta takes him down with kicks and keeps going back to the headlock. He throws in a snap elbow drop, but continues to favour the headlock. Barry finally takes control when Muta misses a dropkick and hits a DDT, and suplexes Muta both inside and outside of the ring. Then Wyndham hits multiple knee drops and locks Muta in a sleeper hold for what seems like forever. Wyndham uses the ropes for leverage, but he eventually gets caught. Muta recovers and they trade chops, but Barry rakes the eyes and he then grabs a headlock. Muta attempts to fight back with a sunset flip, cross body and a back kick, but Wyndham keeps regaining control. However, Mouta blocks a superkick and hits a flying chop. He then hits the handspring elbow and backbreaker combination, but he misses the moonsault. He gets another chance at it after reversing a suplex, but this time Wyndham raises his knees. Wyndham then capitalises by hitting a lariat and the DDT for the win at 24 minutes and 10 seconds. Having looked forward to this match for weeks, this was a massive disappointment, although the right man won. Allegedly, Muta worked this match with a bad case of the flu, and it seemed evident in the match that we got. Wyndham also appeared to be less than enthusiastic, which only dragged the match down further. Furthermore, the fans started a We Want Flare chant right from the off, which didn't help matters either. In my opinion, what promised to be a potential match of the night ended up being a damp squib. Following the match, Flair attempted to put the belt on Wyndham as a mark of respect, but Barry pulled away and glared at him, prompting Rick to get the message and leave the champion to pose with his new prize. Before the main event, the Three Stooges do some vamping. Helpfully, Missy lets us know that Vader is big and scary, while Johnny makes the bold prediction that Sting is going to kick some booty. How nice! Our main event of the evening had better be a belter, if you pardon the pun, as WCW World Heavyweight Champion Big Van Vader invites the man called Sting to step into his White Castle of Fear. This match is unsanctioned by World Championship Wrestling, meaning that the title is not on the line. Vader pulls Sting off his feet a few times and whips him with the strap before hitting a second rope splash. Sting answers by pulling the strap into Vader's crotch while he poses and then knocks Vader off his feet. Sting then hits some flying splashes and starts whipping both Vader and race. Vader rolls outside and you get a shot of him bleeding from his back. Sting follows and pulls Vader into the post. Then Sting tags two of the posts which counts as touching a corner. But Vader pulls him into the guardrail to stop Sting's momentum. They head back inside and Sting hits a Samoan drop, but Vader hits some avalanches. Sting answers by backdropping Vader on a powerbomb attempt, but he misses a flying splash. Vader takes advantage with Samoan drops on the mat and from the turnbuckles, as well as a Vader bomb. He also manages to hit two corners, but Sting stops him. However, Vader attempts another Vader bomb, and misses. Sting even crotches Vader on the top rope and pulls him into the ring but Vader wins a slugfest and hits a superplex. He then hits three corners, but Sting latches onto the bottom rope. Vader works Sting over in the corner again, but Sting surprises him with a rolling kick, a DDT and some stiff punches. Sting lifts Vader and starts touching the corners, but Vader's foot clips the ref. He gets to three, but Sting trips over the ref and Vader sits on Sting. Then Vader drags Sting to three corners and Sting tries to fight the last one, but he inadvertently kicks Vader into the fourth for the win for the champ at 20 minutes and 40 seconds. While the mini-movie that preceded this match was a guilty pleasure, the build to this match doesn't age well. The match itself, however, is bloody brilliant. And bloody. It's the kind of spectacle that you couldn't get away with in the WWF at the time, and it was matches like this that gave WCW a distinguishable identity. Both men brought their brawling best, and opponents like Vader brought out the underrated versatility that Sting was capable of. These two never had a bad match together, and this match was that rare moment where both opponents came out of it looking strong. In what could be considered a spoiler alert, this is far and away, my match of the night.
3: All right, it's certainly one of the more intense moments in Super Bowl 3 happened when Barry Windham became the new NWA champion, particularly when Ric
0: Flair in the ring with you. What was going through your mind? Well, I'm sure it was a very tense moment for Mr. Flair, but the first thing that's going to happen to this championship belt is Muda's name is off of there. And to anyone else out there that wants this championship, and to any championship that's out there, I am on the prowl, and there's no championship in the world that's safe. All
3: right, Barry Wyndham, I know that you haven't held that uh, NWA title, but for just uh, a few, well, not even barely an hour now, but you have to wonder, I'm sure fans all over want to know what's next on your agenda.
0: Like I said, any championship that anybody holds is up for grabs. And Barry Windham is the NWA Heavyweight Champion, and I am gonna take all championships.
3: All right, those comments from the new NWA Champion. Now let's get back down to the ring to Tony Schiavone and Jesse the Body Ventura.
2: All right, Eric, and what an event this was. Jesse had a little bit of everything for our wrestling fans. Tony
0: Schiavone, I barely got any
2: voice left. I'm tired, if you can believe that. Jesse the Body has no voice left. Give me a break, but I tell you what, it was a tremendous battle with Sting and Big Van Vader. Almost had him. Harley Race got the hand in, and we had a big night, Jesse. Absolutely, Vader wins the strap match. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Asheville. We'll see you next time.
1: And now we head to my final thoughts. Super Bowl 3 is a mostly solid pay-per-view, with most matches being either good or great. There are a few disappointments, as the debut of Davy Boy Smith was a massive whiff, and the US title match might as well have been cancelled. For the most part though, WCW put on an enjoyable use of 3 hours of your precious time, which is highly recommended by me. I hope that WCW continue an upward trend with this event that makes 1993 a year to both commend and remember. The star of the night for Super Brawl 3 is undoubtedly Captain Jack. Well, what else did you expect from me? If there's an opportunity to give Jack a big gold star for all of his hard work, I'm going to take it. Honourable mentions also go to his more than able dance partner, Paul Orndorff, as well as to Vader and Sting. The match of the night, believe it or not, is the White Castle of Fear strap match. WCW certainly saved the best for last tonight. If you only choose to watch one match from this card, it should be this one. The highlight of the night, well, I'm sure that Johnny B Bad had a few in his hair, but in all seriousness, it was seeing Ric Flair back in WCW. While he did relatively okay in his short stay in Titan Towers, he is a somebody that fans my age would associate with the NWA slash WCW, so this felt like a welcome homecoming. And as for my low light of the night well take a wild guess why oh why is eric watts still here with the review of super brawl 3 wrapped up we will be returning to wwf for a while as we crawl towards wrestlemania 9 However, we won't be returning straight to Monday Night Raw, as first we're going to take a look at the February 13, 1993 episode of WWF Superstars. The Native American Tatanka faces his toughest test yet, as does Vince McMahon, as he's forced to have another conversation with Brutus the Booty Man with No Face Dizzy Hogan Beefcake. But don't worry, it might just be fun. And I hope that you've had fun listening to this review. I would greatly appreciate any feedback at One Man's Meat Pod on Twitter, or even at Real Chris Bellis on Twitter, as this show and the podcasts that we offer as a whole will only improve with your feedback. However, my loves, in the meantime and in between time, stay beefy! Mmm, meat cider!